Isn't it? We hear one thing, and pretty soon we're 10 years in the future, worrying, fearing, thinking the worst-case scenario. Did you know God says that He has great plans for us? Now, uh, I've tried to always be authentic with you, and I want to be so this morning. We, we throw those words around, um, deservedly so. There's a lot of power in it that God does want us to have a life of blessing and an abundant life, but that only comes from living the way He says we're supposed to live. It's not open-ended, which means, hey, I can do whatever I want and God wants me to be blessed. Yes, He wants you to be blessed, but it doesn't mean it turns out that way because He says, follow my word, follow my way, and if you don't, then you have a very different reality waiting for you on the other side. And we've almost gotten away from the process of thinking that there is an actual eternal place for those that disobey God called hell, and there is. And so I want to just kind of rewind you back and say, hey, not everything is a worst-case scenario. It, it is in God's hands, but we still have our part to do. God has a high standard for us, right? And, and it seems like it's too much, but that's why we have His Holy Spirit that empowers us to be people of His Word, that follow His Word, and know it's not easy. But it's still what He asks of us. And so I just want to remind you that as we, as we move forward, uh, not just from today, but in your own lives, that uh, we can't take the half-truth of the Bible without understanding the other side of that as well. And part of that truth is there's still a thing called sin, there's still a thing called disobedience, there's still worry and fear that can short-circuit our opportunities for the blessings of God, and we shouldn't be focused on that. Again, that's why the video, we sometimes get so focused on the negative, we forget the positive. The Bible speaks a lot about the freedom, liberty, joy of the Lord, and sometimes we get so focused on all the small stuff, all the, all the bad stuff, but we can't ignore the bad stuff. That stuff will ruin our lives, not just here, but in eternity. Sin has its consequences. And before we get too far into this, I want to thank you again. Uh, Pastor Tim reminded you, but uh, all of you that prayed and volunteered and, and donated towards GoForth, we made just under $16,000 this year. Uh, that is awesome and wonderful. Uh, that's going to help buy me a new car. And uh, all that money goes to support our youth ministry. And uh, we're so thankful for that. And, and if you're wondering, you know, it, it's twofold for us. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us as a church. You see, uh, go forth is a lot of work. But what I love most about it is, to me, it's the, it's the reality of what church is supposed to be. Everybody doing their part. And if you've ever been down there, you realize it's pretty busy. It's fast-paced work. But what do you think it would be like if there was just three of us? We've got two or three people at the, the order booth. We've got two or three people at the send out the order booth. We've got four or five people making sure the orders and the condiments and all that stuff. We've got three or four people over on the fryers. But imagine just three people doing all of that. And not everybody can do everything, but everything is needed. 
just like in the church. And so I see the fullness of what the church is supposed to be, of having a work ethic, that when you sign up, you show up, that when you're there, you do a good job, that you love people, and you realize, hey, this is a hot, sticky mess, and we can still have fun doing the work of God. And we're out in the community introducing ourselves to people and, and meeting faces, and what an awesome opportunity to do this. And so it's not just about the money. Yes, we're thankful that we don't have to do car washes and bake sales and kids coming up and bugging us in the lobby trying to sell cookie dough and all that stuff. But the reality is it's, it's the church as God wants the church to be. And so I just thank you. Thank you, everybody, for all your support and for making another great year and, uh, and helping us get that taken care of. And so let's get into God's Word this morning. We're talking about this, uh, this topic of I Choose. Last week, we talked about choosing purpose over popularity and kind of let it off with the reality that if you're going to live for the approval of people, it's going to keep you from the purposes of God. I want you to remember that from last week. If you want to live for the approval of people, it'll keep you from the purposes of God because He has incredible things for us. But one thing we, we didn't touch on last week that I want to make sure you understand this week is this. God's Word is not a menu. Because, you see, I think on a menu we go, yeah, I like that. No, I don't want any of that. Um, yeah, I'll take some of this. No, don't need any of that. Uh, I'll skip this. Uh, yeah, let's try some of that. That is not God's Word. God's Word is perfect and pure, and it's for us, all of it, from cover to cover. The first half of the book is all about God's dealings with man and how we're supposed to follow Him and trust Him, and then the second half is about following Jesus Christ and how we interact with an eternal God that and with the people around us. It's not a pick and choose, oh, I like this part, and no, I don't like that part. We don't get to disregard any part of the Bible. So I want to remind you, when we're talking about choice, we don't have a choice, per se, in following God's Word. Now you say, well, certainly I do. Yes, you do, but there are huge consequences. <laughs> There's huge consequences. We're going to talk about a man this morning in Genesis that heard from God and wanted to be blessed by God, but somewhere along the line, because there was a, a time of delay, he made a choice. And that choice is still costing us today, all these years later, and so we're going to pick it up right there about uh, uh, choosing this morning whether you're going to choose surrender or you're going to choose control. Are you going to choose surrender? I'm going to surrender to God's way and God's will and God's word. Or am I going to choose control? I get to control. I get to choose. I get to do my thing. And yes, you do have that. Christ won that for you on the cross. But can I tell you, to not follow the ways of God turns out in a life that will never fully reach its potential, that is filled with a lot of sorrow and regret, whether you see that right now or not. And so I, I called you last week to come back to the fundamental belief that God's Word is for us, and it's good for us, and we can choose the purposes of God, and we should choose the purposes of God. You're not going to miss out on anything if you choose the purposes of God, except for the bad stuff, right? Right? And it's funny how, I, I don't know if you've got this, but I've got sensitive teeth. Have you ever been like eating something and it's supposed to be soft and you crunch into something? And instantly your teeth notice it and you, cr and you don't chew anymore and your tongue's feeling around in there for what that thing is? 
Or even worse, and, and hopefully it's, it hasn't happened to you very often, but you're at one of those church potlucks and you're eating something, and, and it's amazing. You're eating something that you think is lasagna or casserole or something like that. You're not totally sure because it is a potluck, right? And you feel something on your tongue that doesn't feel like food. Isn't it amazing that a micro-thin piece of hair your tongue picks it up and feels it, and then pretty soon it's going crazy. Right? Does it happen to you? Because my tongue just starts trying to get that stuff out. And pretty soon I... It doesn't belong. Now, let me fast forward for you. Book of Revelation says something crazy like this. Thinking about what I just said. Of the end times church, if we're not careful, because you're neither hot nor cold, you either follow my word or you don't. Make a, make a choice. But because you play around with both, I will spew you, I will vomit you, it's like finding that hair. When God sees people that want to play with his word and play in the world, it's like a hair in his mouth, and he's ready to spit it out. I don't want you spit out. I want you to embrace the fullness of what God has for you. It means that you're going to have to surrender some things. It means that we're going to have to submit to his will and understand that his word is not a menu. It is for us. It is good for us. It's instruction. It's how we can live a great life, have a great relationship with him and the people around us. It's how we can make sure that church becomes a, an incredible thing that draws people in. And we have to understand that when God speaks... He expects us to hear it and put it into action. He expects us to follow his plan. So if you would, I want you to join me in Genesis chapter 16 this morning. We're going to talk about control a little bit. Now, this is a story of control gone bad. If you've never read this story, I'm going to preface it for you. Two key players here, Abram and Sarai. This is before their names were changed. Sarai was barren. She had been unable to have children, and she wanted children desperately. Abraham wanted children desperately. And then one day, God shows up, and a couple angels show up and say, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And you'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. And he just goes through all this stuff and, and lays it out. And he says, as you look at the, the sand under your feet, it's going to be your descendants. In the nighttime, when you look up at the sky, all of the stars, as if you could count them, that would be the amount of descendants that you're going to have. And Abraham was like, that is incredible, God. But the next day, she wasn't pregnant. And the next week, she wasn't pregnant. And the next month, year, decade, she wasn't pregnant. And we pick it up here. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for God to bring forth the blessing that he had pronounced on them, and here we are. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. I want you to go and sleep with my servant. Look at this. Maybe she can have children 
Maybe we can have children through her. Now, what was God's plan? I will bless you, you will have a child, and that child will be blessed. I will place my blessing on him, and you and Sarai are going to have a child. But they kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and they got frustrated and impatient. And so she said, I've got a different plan. I've got a handmaiden here. If, if God isn't going to come through, why don't you take her? And I love, I love these stories because it shows that they're human. Because if it was me writing the story and I wanted to show how great Abraham would be, the next line would say this, Abraham looked at Sarai and said, what is wrong with you, woman? That's not what God said. Don't you remember what he said? Don't you remember he said he was going to bless us? And he would just tell her and remind her of God's word. But look at the very next sentence. Instead of all of that, Abraham went... Okay. Have sex with the handmaid? Okay. He agreed. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. That wasn't God's plan. That's not what he said to do. But they decided something a little different. Now, this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Verse 4, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Guess who's stuck in the middle of those two women? Guess who should have said, that's not what God said? And he didn't think that at the time. He's like, that will give us a child. That sounds like a great plan, honey. Oh, let's go with that. And now he's stuck in the middle of something he never wanted to get stuck in. God's plan was to bless him, but it was taking too long. God wanted to bring an incredible anointing upon him, but unfortunately he surrendered to Sarai instead of the plan that God had for him. And if you go along in that story, you're going to hear somebody. It's not egotistical, but it's the truth for you this morning. God comes to him later and says, because you listened to your wife, you should have listened to me. But because you listened to your wife, this is what's going to happen. And I want you to know, if you haven't read that story and done the Bible story, that Hagar did conceive a child and his name was Ishmael. God said, I'm not giving the blessing to him. That wasn't my plan. I'm still going to bring the blessing through your son. And you'll find out later that his name is going to be Isaac. But he's also going to bless Ishmael. He's going to be the prince of 12 nations that we now call the Middle East. And we're still dealing with the issue of Arabs and Jews to this day, because of the decision of Abram to surrender to Sarai's plan instead of God's plan. Think about that for just a minute. That one decision to listen to the plans of a person instead of the plans of a God resulted in eons. We're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of years later. Conflict. War. Betrayal, issues that they're still wrestling with today. And can I tell you that can happen to us as well? We think it's a simple decision, and pretty soon it's going on and on. And that simple decision is having long-lasting effects. 
Genesis 17 says that he's going to be a great nation of 12 princes. And unfortunately, that sounds like a blessing, but it wasn't to the Jews. If you read through the rest of the Old Testament, they had nothing but problems and fought, and they became enemies over and over and over because of a decision. You see, Sarah feared the unknown. God never told them when the blessing was going to come. And I've seen this played out in, in many, many people's lives, and, and for those that will hang on, they see the power and the promises of God come through. But it's a four-step process. You see, first, God gives you a dream. And then there's a delay. You see it with Joseph as well, right? Joseph had a dream. I'm going to be a man of incredible authority, but there's also a delay. (laughs) And during that delay, if we're not careful, a distraction comes up. And that distraction in this case was Hagar. But during that distraction, if we can press through and say, God will be faithful. He has never let me down. It may take a while, but God has been faithful. He is with me at all times. We will see it through, and we'll come out on the other side with a greater trust of God and greater faith. But what happens is it takes long, and pretty soon we say, I guess God forgot, or I guess I have to work this out, or I have to make a different way. And and we get tired of waiting, getting impatient. But can I tell you, yes, there's a dream. Yes, there's a delay. Yes, there's a distraction. But ultimately, with God, there's a destiny. And even though this happened, Abraham is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the hall of faith, as a man of faith. And again, Did he mess up? Yes, he did. But I just want to love you enough to tell you that when God gives you something big, don't expect it to be right now. If it does, sing his praises and be thankful for it. But sometimes there's a delay. And in the midst of that delay, there's a distraction. But there's also a big destiny waiting on the other side of the delay. We just have to trust God enough to push through it. But what happens is what I'm going to call a cycle of fear. This process starts happening in our mind and in our hearts, areas that we want to control. We want to control the outcome. We want to control the timing. We want to control when God's going to do it because I want it now and He showed it to me so I want it now. But here's the reality. The more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. And the more we're afraid, the more we try to control. And that process begins to spin. The more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. And the more we get afraid, the more we try to control. And although I don't fully comprehend his timing, I can tell you that God has never been late. God has never pulled back on his promises. And I love scripture that tells us that the callings and giftings of God are irrevocable. You know what that means? It means he won't call them back. 
You just hang on. You just grab it. You just do it. And it will not be revoked. He will see it through because it's based on him, not on you. God could have opened Sarai's womb any time he chose to. But the funny thing about God is he often wants to get the glory for what his plan is. And the funny thing about man is we often want to get the glory for God's plan. Sarai wanted to be blessed. She wanted to have offspring, and she wanted to be able to control that. Joseph wanted to control it. Esau wanted to control it time and time again, and we see this happen throughout human history, that God shows something incredible, and we want to grab a hold of it and control it instead of just hanging on and letting God do what he wants to do. Because it often looks different and takes longer than we thought it was going to take. And if Abraham could talk back to Abram, he'd say, hey, listen, man, there's just two rules. Don't sleep with any woman named Hagar, rule number one. And rule number two, don't forget rule number one. And I would say the same thing to you. Don't forget God's word and that he's the one that's in charge of it, and don't forget rule number one. Because if we can trust him to keep the sun in its place and the atmosphere on our planet and the planet spinning and the seasons coming in their time and making sure there's oxygen for us to breathe, I think, I just think we can trust him with the small little details of our lives. But that's hard in the moment. That's hard when you've got the blessing. That's hard when you've heard the promise and you're, you're waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And people have been hurt by that. And, and I hate that I have to insert this, but the opinion of man is no substitute for the promise of God. And there was a, a movement in the church where there was a lot of prophecy and there's a lot of stuff, and men spoke, but God didn't speak. And people were still waiting to receive their healing and waiting to receive their children and waiting to receive this and that. And it wasn't God's promise to them at all. They heard a man instead of God. And it really turned them sour on God and church and people. But when you hear from God, first of all, you know it's God. And I can tell you, I believe God can speak through men, but I also believe you better confirm it. You better confirm it. You better know in your spirit that it bears witness with what you've been saying because I've been told some goofy stuff before that I'm thinking, that's not right. That's not what God's Word said. That's not what I've been praying. That doesn't feel right to me. And I return your prophecy back to you. Thank you very much. And there's some that we hang on to and 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 we may go to our grave hanging on to it, but God is still faithful. He will see it through. Because it looks different. And I'll point you back to this reference point. If we talk about just the blessed child, Abram and and. Sarai had one son. But what did God say? I'll give you descendants like the sand and like the stars. But you're part of that blessing this morning, church. 
You're part of the descendants. You're part of that lineage of faith of Abraham. And it continues on and on. Do you know how many believers there's been throughout the ages? Probably without number, without count. And yet think of what Abraham saw as he walked in the desert. God said it's going to be like the sand. That I, it's like, how could you possibly count this? And imagine what Abraham's going to see at the end of times when all the believers are gathered together as his descendants and goes, you have been faithful, Lord. But he died with only one son carrying the blessing. But that one son had 12 sons, and those 12 became tribes and on, and he could never see that, just like you and I. We don't know the power of what God's going to do. We just have to surrender control, and that's the hard part for us. That's the part that gets stuck in us. I want to read another passage of Scripture to you, one you've probably heard many, many times. This is the, actually the most quoted, most popular verse in the Bible, but I find that it's the most challenging. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Now, we could just stop at the first part, and that's enough to throw a big monkey wrench in the works, right? Trust in the Lord with Okay, now that sounds awesome, and people quote that, especially in difficult times. We trust the Lord. But how many of us, if you were honest, if I made you raise your hand to be honest, how many of you say, I haven't trusted the Lord with my whole heart because I've done my own thing? Don't depend on your own understanding. You see what happened to Abram? <laughs> he said we could have a child. Maybe Hagar can have a child. Good thinking, honey. He was leaning on his own understanding. Read the next verse. This is from the New Living Translation. Seek His will in all that you do. That decision you think you've got to make, seek His will. Not your will, not your ability. Seek your, His will in all that you do. You see... And this is not negative this morning. Please hear past us. This is just realism. We've gotten past the place where we trust God with our everyday lives. Should I buy this car? Are we actually seeking God's will or just what we can afford? Because he knows you're going to lose your job in three months. But you don't. I saw this happen back in February. I'd been wanting a pickup. I'd had a pickup before I, I moved up here and had a couple pickups in my life. I, I really enjoy them, and I do a lot of woodwork. And, and so to me, found one. I could afford it. Uh, my wife wasn't crazy about it, but we can afford it. We can do it. We sold off my little Ford Focus. I thought I had a good truck, used truck. Got it in February and October, I replaced the engine in it because it blew up going down I-5. So this great $10,000 truck is now a $16,000 truck. And now the AC doesn't work. And the windshield wiper sprayer stopped spraying. And my driver's side window doesn't roll down. What a great truck. 
Does it still run? You betcha. All the tires work. All the <laughs> Is that what I was hoping for when I bought the truck? Nope, but it sounded like such a great deal. Now I'm thinking, what if I'd saved up for a $17,000 truck? <laughs> That's my own understanding. We see the things of God and we hear things and they motivate our heart and our mind and we think, ah, I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to enjoy that. I can't wait to... And we try to hurry the process. We try to get ahead of the plan and then we say, oh, man, what did I do? You see, to trust God with all your heart is very difficult especially when you become adults, because at this point, people have let you down, people have lied, people have hurt you, people have betrayed you. And that's why he says we've got to be like little children. We just have to trust him. Little kids trust. Jump, I'll catch you. Until the time that you don't. <laughs> and then they go, hmm, <laughs> right? And so pretty soon, even though we love God, and we say we trust him. He puts something out there and he says, trust me in this. And pretty soon we're saying, I, I don't know. You're taking so long and this isn't how it was supposed to go. In fact, things have gotten worse. You said you were going to bless me and things have gotten worse. What is going on? And we begin to try to steer. <laughs> but it still says what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. I love the last part. Look what he says. If you'll do this, he'll show you what path to take. You see, we think we know where we're going. <laughs> we think we know how to get there. But we don't. That's leaning on your own understanding. That's like being in the forest and says, I think that tree looks familiar. And if we're not careful, we begin to walk circles because we're one foot or one side dominant, and we'll walk in circles whether we know it or not. But I can get there. I, I can make it. I can, I can figure this out. There are some things you can't figure out. You just got to trust God. We go back to His Word. God, you promised, and I'm going to hang on to that promise, and I'm going to try my best not to short-circuit. I'm going to try not to grab that wheel and steer it the way I think it should go. I'm going to let you have it. Because if we trust that God is really a good God, He says He's not going to withhold anything good from us. And sometimes the things we want aren't good for us. Sometimes the things we want will lead us away from what He has planned for us, but we just don't realize it. So we have to learn to not trust in our own understanding. And it may sound cynical this morning, but do you know how many people I've heard say, God led me to this church. I know I'm supposed to be your pastor. And in six months, they're going someplace else. And I'm thinking, God changes his mind a lot. But what usually happens is something comes up and somebody decides that it's time to leave the church. They don't ask God because God really would have said, you stay put and work through this hardship. I put you here to make you mature. I don't want any part of that. I'm out of here. 
And away they go to the next church and the next church and the next church. And thinking, saying that it's God when it wasn't God at all. It's their own understanding. Three questions here we need to ask about control this morning. And, and the reality is this. Do you, do you believe with me this morning that there's really very little we can control in this world? At best, a, control is an illusion <laughs> that we grasp at, and either we trust God or we don't, okay? Now, again, I don't believe we should test God, okay? I believe He loves me and wants good for me, and I probably shouldn't step out into traffic to see if He really loves me, right? <laughs> if you really love me, you'll stop these cars. Well, He may say, I really love you and I gave you brains, so you shouldn't have done that anyway. But here's some questions when you're dealing with this stuff that you want to control. Is it worth your concern? Because there's a lot of trouble we get into dealing with stuff that it wasn't even ours to get messed up in. You start getting involved in somebody else's stuff, or it's, or it's not even, I mean, really, I've been there as a parent. Are we really that, uh, that strict on how our children flow, fold their clothes? And yet, how many battles do we have? I told you, that's not how we fold the towels. That's not how we put on the toilet paper. That's not how we... We're talking about towels and toilet paper. This is the biggest problems in our world. Who makes the bed when we get up? Who does this? Really? And these are the things that over time can make marriages fall apart and children hate their parents. And it was over nothing. Who cares how the towels are folded? Because from my perspective, they dry you off whether they were folded properly or not. And that's really the purpose of towels, right? The purpose of towels is not to look neat in the closet. Some of you A personalities are going, you've missed it, man. You have missed it. But you're also the people that buy candles that you're never going to light. Men, can I get a witness in the house this morning? Don't light that candle. Why do they make decorative candles with wicks if you're never going to light them? It's to trap us. Because about the time you go to light, what are you doing? Oh, I was just admiring the candle, right? Don't light it. Secondly, is it mine to control? This is a big question. So is there something that I have to worry about control about? Okay? And, I mean, think about this. Do you get to control the price of stamps in America? Are you going to spend a lot of time worrying about that and trying to wrestle that control back from the federal government? Hopefully not. So it's not worth your concern, right? Let it go. Now the big question is, is this something I can control? Good question. If you can't control it, then do something about it. Because letting go of control doesn't mean relinquishing responsibility. God said to Abram, I'm going to do this, but you still have a responsibility, right? I'll bless you when the time comes, but you still have a responsibility. And, and without it being graphic, guess what? He and Sarah still had to get together. Right? The Bible even says that. Imagine if she just said, 
Just do it now. Don't need him. Just bless me. God had a different plan, right? But he did it in his time. He did it in his way. He wanted it to be the right way. And so if you can control something, then do something about it. Don't just whine about it. You can actually exert some control there. But if not, leave it alone. Last but not least, is it for God alone? And we see this all over in the book of, of 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Chronicles. David, that psalmist we talked about this morning, who had been anointed king, knew he was supposed to be king, had been anointed as king, had been prophesied as king. God had chosen him, and yet the problem was there was an existing king. And every opportunity came up for him to kill the king to start his kingship. And David would say these crazy things. I am not going to touch the Lord's anointed. Now, wait a minute. You were anointed. (laughs) But can I tell you, there are some things that we're not supposed to mess with. It's for God alone. You leave it in His hands, and when you try to mess with it, bad stuff happens in your life. When you try to do that, long-term consequences come into your life. And we have to ask these questions. Is this something that I should deal with? Is this the biggest problem in my world that I want to mess with this? Is this something I can control? I can control. I mean, think about how simple this is. Instead of arguing, if I don't like how the toilet paper is on the roll, I can switch it. I, Tony Ward, have the power, the anointing of God, to take the roll off and flip it the right way. Which everybody knows means it comes off the front. Okay? Or we can have an hour and a half conversation slash dialogue slash argument over somebody not putting it on right and I'm going to stand there and point at a toilet paper dispenser and have an argument about which way the bloody toilet paper comes off. That's what's so important in the world, right? Or how to squeeze the toothpaste out, or all of those silly things. If I can control it, if you can control it, then please do something about it. But there are things that God and God alone control. And the reason is this, when you try to control something that's not yours to control, it robs you of your peace, it brings worry, it brings fear and anxiety because when you try to control something you can't control, you're out of control. And it always results in lack of peace. Look at this, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. They've been given all the garden. Just don't eat from this tree. That's pretty simple instructions. But Eve saw it differently. She thought she had a better plan. It said that she saw the fruit and said that it was pleasing to her eyes and it looked good to eat. And immediately when she took control of something that was not for her to control, fear came. They hid from God. The next time he shows up and he says, where are you? We're hiding. Why are you hiding? Because we're naked. Who told you that? I didn't tell you that. 
And immediately they were afraid and their relationship was changed between them and with God forever because they tried to control what only God was supposed to control. I believe we can trust God. In fact, he, in Matthew chapter 6, he does a whole dialogue on don't worry. Don't worry about this, and don't worry about that. Don't worry about this, and don't worry about that. It won't add anything to your life. You just take care of today and let tomorrow take care of itself. And we struggle. We struggle with this. When it comes to our kids, when it comes to our family, when it comes to our money, when it comes to the things that are hurting us that we've heard from God, when, when, when? And we, maybe we feel like, God, you've forgotten us. But can I remind you this morning, He has given us the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and our empowerer and the one that teaches us to pray when we don't know how to pray so that we don't try to grab back control, but we still have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us in these things. Or we'll go at our own, and we mess it up. We wish we'd never done it. We need to take a few minutes here for some self-evaluation. I'm big on life application. You, you know this by now. So let me ask you some questions before we have some altar time. What are you trying to control that you shouldn't be controlling? What are you trying to control that you shouldn't be controlling? And once you figure that out, then how do you surrender that to God? See, the knowing isn't, isn't good enough. It's actually saying, God, I figured this out. I'm, I'm trying to control every aspect of my life, and I'm, I'm robbing the joy out of my life and other people's lives as I try to control more. And the more control I have, the more fearful I get. And the more fearful I get, the more I want to control. And, and I can't stop, and this is driving us insane. How do you surrender that? What's your next step? What do you need to do? If we never figure those things out, we just go to church, we hear God's word, and we go home in the same state that we came in. And then we say to ourselves, church doesn't help. Church is an incredible help, but you still have to apply the word to your life. You actually still have to follow through on him saying, this is my plan, this is my promise, if you, then I will. And that's the thing, whether you've admitted it or not, I can admit it, that's the thing that really is hard for me with God is that he never brings the blessing up first. He's waiting for us. He says, if you, fill in the blank, then I will. You take the first step on faith, and then I bring the blessing. And we want, no, you bring the blessing, you show me, and then I'll step out. But he doesn't work that way. 
He doesn't work that way. And some real deep truth I want to lay on you this morning. If you're really going to follow Jesus, then you're really not in control. He says where to go, when to stop, where to stay. But we like order, boundaries, control in our life. And he had to work this out of his people. I mean, we're not unique. The the year 2017, we're not any more unique than the, the people he brought out of Egypt because we're still wrestling with this today. If you do a detailed reading of of that whole trip, it must have driven them crazy because there was times when he's leading them in the desert that he said, okay, we're going to stop here. And they unpacked everything and they stayed for three weeks in a barren place. And they're like, how long are we going to stay here? There's nothing here. There's no food. There's no water. He's like, I got that covered. (laughs) I'll bring down dew. I'll bring down manna. And then there were days where he said, hey, This is the place, and they got everything unpacked, and they left the next day. Think about millions of people unpacking everything, setting up camp, and then he says, okay, we're going tomorrow. I just got this place unpacked. I found a shady spot this time. There's water here, and you want us to go? Yep. Want to see if they're going to control it (laughs) or whether they're going to follow What are you trying to control? 